Welcome to Getting Real Estate with Josh and Casey. Josh Lenhart from Director's Mortgage. And I'm Casey Spore with John L. Scott. Welcome back. Hello, everybody. We officially have our very first guest. So exciting. I know. So (laughs) exciting. A very, very good friend of mine, Joey Jackson. Joe or Joey? It doesn't matter. Okay. To me. Please, yeah. Joey Jackson. Let's get informal. So informal. Um, He is an appraiser. So this is our first kind of like branching out to educate you guys on, you know, we said we're trying to educate on every possible facet of this industry that we can think of. And people are always so worried about an appraisal. I know from being a real estate agent, people are constantly stressed out about the appraisal coming back. So we thought, why not make our first guest the most quote unquote feared person in this industry and appraiser. Absolutely. It's such a huge part of the process. Buying, selling, refinancing your home. It is one of the, if not the key components, figuring out the value of your home, getting somebody out there to do comps. So uh, Joey, Mm -hmm. Joe, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah. Name, where you work, how long you've been in the business for. Yeah. So uh, Joe, Joey, Joseph, Jackson, doesn't matter which one. I played a lot of sports, so I've got more nicknames than that. Uh, I have been an appraiser since March 2017. Uh, the appraisal process is super long, so it took three years to get my license. Uh, 1,800 or 2,000 ish, I can't remember now. Uh, documented, logged hours of appraisal reports, 250 hours of online courses, and that doesn't include continuing ed since I've had my license now for another. Uh, three years almost. I had no idea <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, the amount of grind they make you go through just yeah. to get to the point where you can start doing it. Yes. And that's why if you meet an appraiser at your house, most likely he's going to be about 60. Because yeah. it <laughs> that's went... how long it took him to get through. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so we can we can talk about the becoming an appraiser is tough because the only way to become an appraiser is to be trained by a licensed appraiser. So there's no other path forward. They have taken steps to make it easier. When I started, you had to have a four-year degree to be a certified residential appraiser, which is what I am. So they've dropped that to an associate, so long as the associate is in business, uh, accounting, or real estate, which I didn't even know that associates had. That's probably on me, but different ways you go. I thought associates was just like, oh, I did my basics, and now I can go do something else. Do something else. Uh, yeah, so they've they've shortened the time, but it still can only be done uh, with an appraiser training you. It's the only way to do it. And that's why when I told people I was going to become an appraiser, everybody scoffed and said, good luck. So, <laughs> so it's like any like a major trade. Yeah. I mean, electrician, plumber, somebody who is doing very advanced work where they're being trained yeah. by... The professionals, the people that have been in it for a long time, you have to get in on the ground floor with people who have done it for a long time. Yeah. So it it took a while, but it's also means that by the time you get your license, you're good at it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which is important. important. Very important. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Unlike me, I was floundering for the first year, like learning lending on the fly, like getting to know guidelines and stuff is like I always told. Yeah. I always told people like I was like, I am worried that I'm going to lose my job every day. You're you're dealing with so many regulations and do's and don'ts and yeah, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines. It's Mm -hmm. it's stressful. So that's, I mean, it's 
probably a very positive thing. They make you go through so much. It right? is in the experience. It depends on who's training you. Uh, you know, the Fair. guy who trained me, yeah. I'll leave him off the podcast. Uh, <laughs> he uh, would, the way the process worked was we would go on the inspection together. He would schedule it at the beginning. We would go on the inspection together and then I would write the report and then he would have me print the report and then he would grade it with a red pen. Oh, and gosh. His That's feedback, back in school. Yeah. His feedback would consist of like mistakes that I made to like circling thing and just, and just being like, what's this shit? And oh. like, <laughs> whoa, you know, so, seriously. And, and you're in no position uh, as a, an assistant to say or do anything because up into the point where your log hours are signed and your classes are done and all of that stuff is, you know, you could maybe take that to another appraiser uh, and hope that they take you on. But it's like I said, tough. So you just kind of got to eat it and, you know, keep your head learn down. Learn from it. Learn yeah. from it. Um, I, you know, get learn to trick them into thinking that they don't know who's writing is who's by using their feedback and putting it back into the report and seeing if they grade that with a red pen. There's a bunch of different things you wow. can do. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that's the basic process. I work at a company called Duncan and Brown. Okay. Uh, people in the Eugene area know them primarily as a commercial place, although they don't do that. We don't do that anymore. Most of the commercial people have retired or moved on. So it's a uh, straight uh most residential state. yeah it's residential. all residential okay uh the the true joke about it is i used to share a wall with a guy who since retired named uh, retired named tom and tom's license number was seven. Oh yeah Whoa. i do remember you telling me seven? that seven. seven yeah it was carved into a stone tablet i assume <laughs> and well, how many digits is your license number versus i'm like seven? i'm like 3013 <laughs> okay. or something okay. like that okay so, oh my gosh so, so being around the block yeah so yeah. The, the scoop on that is that it used to not have to take a license to be an appraiser okay. and so a lot of the people who are appraisers who are in their 60s were appraisers before the licensure process and then got grandfathered in to already having their license so long as they completed xyz they did really similar things with like construction and stuff like that do so, you know when that came about yeah that's what i was gonna say was like that a, in like 2008 yeah like a, <laughs> well, i mean not to get too deep dive into like the not to get into the weeds of it but yeah. like was it caused from the crash or was that before no then? it was before i think it was like the 80s or 90s okay. it was it's been a while, a while oh, ago potentially yeah. one of the first recessions yeah that we had. Yes. <laughs> the USPAP is the governing body of appraisers and their mission is kind of funny uh, because it's like what we want to do is make people think of appraisers as professionals you know because right. the constant with being an appraiser is you're being scrutinized by everyone mm -hmm. all the time because yeah. when you come to a real estate transaction for most people it's the single largest financial tool that they have is the equity in their home they don't make big transactions very often. This is most people. I know mm -hmm. there's exceptions. But so when they go, okay, well, I'm going to refinance my house because I think I've got this much equity and interest rates are right. And I'm going to pull out this sum of money that's going to allow me to do this or pay off that or do this. It's like, a, it's a big deal. They yeah. want as much as possible. Yeah. yeah and I have sure. been yelled at when I have not come to the value that someone thought that they needed for refinance. I have had, uh, Elderly people tell me that if I don't hit a certain number, they're going to get put in a home. I have, yeah, I have, I, you know. That's I, a lot to carry. It is. That's like brutal. Well, the thing I was anticipating the least when I became an appraiser was like the human side of it, where people were going to lobby you for their values. Yeah. And that happens sure. very often. 
Not yeah. by the prof industry professionals. Not by the professionals, but like let's by make that perfectly the clear. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, I mean that's sort of implied with a contract. You right. know, the yeah. fact that hey, two we're real estate for four hundred thousand. Yeah. Let's hope it's four hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that two real estate agents, in most cases, have signed a contract means that at least two adults have looked at this number and thought within the industry, right? Who say like this should be the value? It should be the value. Yeah. You know, and. I I'm going to rag on real estate agents today because <laughs> it's, it's fine. Sorry, Casey. It's okay. okay. He's my good friend. I hear it yeah. anyway. Okay. And the thing is, is that I talked to real estate agents about this and mm -hmm. they agree, but I think you can do like the entirety of like the online classes and get your license, what, less than a month, maybe if you really go after it. Not me. Yeah, no, but, no, but, I'm I mean, just but I mean, somebody totally. like motivated. Yeah, it's 150 you know? hours. It's 150, 150 hours. Okay, so four weeks worth of like 40 hours a week yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and you but, choose to do it that way. Yes, <laughs> and then when you're done, you have your license. Right, right. So right. a month, maybe two, maybe six, but still faster. Right. You know, and it just is. You know, it's it's not always the case that you have two, uh, you know, real estate agents that know what's going on, and so. <laughs> The implication that the price is fair, you know, I don't get paid based off of the value. Right. So real estate agents do. There is an implied, like, if it hits five, ooh, you know, I get paid more. And yeah. this goes back into the crash, that not just on real estate agents, lenders as well, who mm -hmm. used to, that's yeah, why that's, now yeah. AMCs exist. AMC is an appraisal management yes. company where when I, when you start the process and I order an appraisal, I cannot have direct contact with Joey mm -hmm. until the report is finalized right. because lenders used to go and be like, hey, I need this value. And if you don't give me this value, I'm never working with you again, right. which caused a lot of artificial inflation in the market. Mm -hmm. Led to, I mean, that was one of many contributing factors. But sure. And that, folks, is why this market is not the same as 2008. We're yes. just going to throw that out there really fast and yes. we can move on. Much yeah. different. <laughs> Very but, different. I mean, Very so there were industry professionals on all sides really advocating for things to make work. Now there are structures and things in place to, I guess, protect you a little more in yes. terms of it is like your value. Mm -hmm. And they even say from the lending side, like we can do what's called uh, if, if an appraisal comes back and it's not the value, we can file what's called an appraisal dispute form. But the joke inside the lending side is, is like about 1% of the time you're actually going to convince. And most of yeah. it has nothing. It's not like, oh, I know better than an appraiser. It's like, this is their livelihood. Yes. I'm advocating for something that I'm getting a couple of pieces of information, or maybe I saw some comp somewhere that maybe like it should add some value. But mm -hmm. the reality is that is not my job. Mm -hmm. So I try to prep people that, but I know that from both sides of the, of the industry, you've probably gotten lenders who have called you after the fact and been like, what do you mean this is the value? No, ne <laughs> never lenders. Lenders don't get upset with me about values outright. It's almost always the borrower or the agent. They okay. file what's yeah. called. That's good. I mean, yeah. It's a reconsideration of value is what we are given. And yes. typically it is a list of three homes, which the borrower, real estate agent, whoever may be, uh, thinks would be better than what was selected. And then they also need to put their reasons for it. And I will say, I've gotten several reconsiderations of value. And occasionally I'm like, oh man, I was, you know, the parameters are for residential home inside town is within one mile sold in the last 90 days. So if good data exists, that is that, that is what I would prefer. And that is where my search starts. Now, occasionally there's a house that was 1.2 miles outside and it's still the same neighborhood, but I never saw it in my search parameters because, yeah. you know, I, oh, look at all this good data. 
Yeah. Why would I look outside of the parameters wherein I have to now explain to a bunch of underwriters and lenders and whatnot why I'm breaking the norm? Okay. And so I tend to stick with that. With rural properties, just for everybody, it's five miles, but it's still 90 days. Now, okay. Yeah. So there is like some leeway in that. And it's like 90 days is not a hard date. It just means anytime you break that like norm, you have to explain it. Right. And so you as the professional have to yes. go in and say like, this is why I'm not using these mm -hmm. standard parameters. Right. And so that really becomes like the crux of it is if I have good data and then you do a reconsideration of value and you give me bad data, then I will say to you, well, given the this scope of work <laughs> right. that I was given, the parameters <laughs> set forth by Fannie Mae or USPAP or the specific AMC or the lender who all have their own various degrees of what is accurate. And you have to, as an appraiser, juggle all of those things. Right? It sounds like so simple, Joey. I don't understand why. <laughs> I don't understand why that's a problem. It seems like so just like uh -huh. easy, like the easiest job possible. I don't. Yeah. And so, and then on top of that, there's a, a game that needs to be played within the comps that you select, right? You have to do something known as bracketing, which is where you have to have whatever it may be, bedroom, square footage, heat system, mm -hmm. car storage, any of the site size, you need to have something bigger and smaller. Okay. Bigger you have and to have smaller. Bigger and smaller. And you can't have all of your comps adjust in one direction. You can't have them all coming up. You can't have them all going down. Okay. So what happens then is like, oh, well, we have this place. It's really cool. It's in some rough shape and it's 800 square feet and it's out in Bethel. And so, you know, what's really easy to find? Houses that come down because there's a lot of stuff that's bigger and nicer and has, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. And then you get there and you're like, oh, wow, these are really good. They're nearby. They're a little bigger. They're a little nicer. And you look at your grid and you go, oh, crap, I don't have anything coming up. And then you, what you realize, you know, and it's a good thing that it exists there too, but it's a game that you have to play where you go through and you go, okay, I have to find something that is worse than mine, that at least stays even or comes up. And if I can't do that as an appraiser, you can't go, oh, I'll just go find something that doesn't fit. You have to go, I have to scrap this. Oh, I have to gosh. scrap this completely because if wow. I can't find something that comes up to support, because like, okay, fine. I'll just go, oh, you know, there was this house. It's really bad way worse than mine. Okay. Uh, I'll just put it in there. Yeah. It's going to be a hundred grand low, right? You know, but the rest of them make sense. And I'll say, I don't put any emphasis on that. And then the first person who reads it, whether that be lender, underwriter, appraisal reviewer, which also exists. We get calls, we get checks, not checks. We get mail from Fannie Mae and from FHA officials who read our stuff and tell us what we're doing well, what we're doing bad, and will assign us extra education if we are not doing things up to their standards. Oh, wow. So you are under everyone's microscope. Immense yes, scrutiny, absolutely. immense pressure mm -hmm. in your job. Yeah. You so, guys have grace for appraisers. <laughs> just try. I know just it's try. hard because I get it. Like I show up at your house and what's my job? I'm here to judge your home. Exactly. All to right? tell you how and much you it's know, worth or how much it's You don't it's realize not. that, you know, little Timmy grew up in this house oh. and I put blood, sweat and tears into mm -hmm. replacing this thing. Mm -hmm. And I spent three years updating these aspects, which uh -huh. maybe didn't add a lot of value. Yeah. Like, people don't know that yeah. going in. I made all these updates. Well, it's like your job isn't to gauge mm -hmm. the heart and the blood, sweat and the right. tears. It's to gauge the value. The worst is, and I know you guys are probably going to ask me this, but the worst is when you show up <laughs> and they go, yeah, I just spent $30,000 on a new roof. And you go, yeah. cool, it's supposed to have a roof. Right. You know, like, I'm sorry. It doesn't like, add $30,000 worth of value doesn't. to your home. There's nothing in a home that you get one-to-one -one return on. 
Once a home has existed, mm -hmm. the best way to make more money on it is to wait for the market to go up. That's the best way, mm -hmm. you know? Sure, definitely remodel your kitchen. If you got an old dated kitchen, throw a slab down. If you've got zonal, put a ductless head in, just in case you guys are in Eugene. EWEP has a 0% loan program on, on ductless heat systems, mm -hmm. right? And that'll add value. Absolutely. Compared okay. to a baseboard system, not only will it add value, but they're so much more efficient. Right. It'll it'll pay for itself. It also adds appeal. Oh, yeah. Like 100% just like appeal. And that in itself gives yeah. market value. Yes. So there are a lot of things that you're considering that, I mean, for those that are looking to buy or sell a home, just a lot of people don't understand the parameters of what does create true value. Yeah. And so I guess let's talk about the appraisal report for a second, because- uh, there's there's three phases that I go through, and one of them is writing, right? So the first phase is I get offered a job, right? Now, I get offered a job through people called AMCs, which you've talked about is an appraisal management company. Yes. When you pay for an appraisal, you are not paying me, and I do not work for you. This is really common within lending and probably real yeah. estate as well, is you're spending seven, eight, $900 on an appraisal, and, and people are curious, like, wh where is my money going? Yeah. Why? They yeah. were at my house for X amount of time. Yeah. Why am I paying all this money? So. Yeah. So, so the purpose of the appraisal is this, and I'll backtrack just a second. So uh, I have had this argument with more than one real estate agent, and they say this. They go, eight people offered me on this house, all above <laughs> what your appraised value were. And they all wanted to buy it at this. So how can you tell me it's not worth that? And my response to them is this. You do not have eight people who can buy that house. Because if you did, they would pay it in cash and nobody would be involved. What you have is eight people who are desperately trying to convince a bank mm -hmm. to purchase the home on their behalf based off of the findings that it is a good investment. That is it. I think that's a great way to put it, honestly. That's a really good way <laughs> to put incredible it. Yeah. Way yeah. To put it. So when you pay for an appraisal, you are not paying for an appraisal. You are paying the bank to pay an AMC to pay me to come out and do the appraisal. At the bottom of the report, it says, who are the intended users? You will not find the borrower on there. Which again, that's the, the point of that is protection. Exactly. Exactly. And also it's supposed to be less personal. I would certainly dislike it more if I had to hand you this thing and you were the borrower that said it. It's, it comes a little bit easier for me knowing they have to yell at the lender before they can yell at me. I, right, I right, like right. <laughs> and I love it personally. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that you know, people are out there talking like, oh, they've got like all these horror stories about appraisers that like absolutely screwed their deals and whatnot. And it's like, I, it's not common. I haven't run into that. Like I, people are very, as somebody who works heavy with VA and especially coming out of, you know, the market frenzy that was not VA and first time home buyer friendly, yeah. it was friendly to cash and it was friendly to conventional. Um, there were a lot of times that they would put on financing, they would just leave FHA and VA off or if you, Absolutely. so I would call and I'd say, tell me exactly why if with, for my VA clients who are like, I love this house. And so I would call and I would say, tell me exactly why you think that this is not, won't qualify for VA financing. They're like, well, it has some chip paint, so it won't pass a VA appraisal. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, I have a ladder and capable arms and legs. <laughs> yes. I'll come pay. You know, I just, I think working so heavy with VA clients, I became like, I never was like, quote, like afraid of appraisals because I'm like, it seems like there's a lot that you can help people do or like explain to them to do to make sure that like their house is appraising. The fact like the purpose of an appraisal is to make sure 
that whatever money you're investing in a house is actually the value of the house. So really, you kind of are the good guys in the sense of like, I'd like to think so. you're establishing like an actual value. Right. Market value is, it, it changes all the time. That's based on people's like desire for a house. It's based on like supply and demand of homes versus like the actual appraised right. value of a home. So the value of the home is based off of the concept of replacement, which yeah. is to say that if, you know, this house were no longer available, what other houses would you be looking at and what have they sold for? And that's what a comparable is, is it's a replacement home. Okay. Yeah. So what does that mean? All right. The holy grail of what we're looking for, all right, is similarity. Similarity is king. All right. If you got a house that looks a lot like this house, that's great. All right. Recency is next. Uh, you want something that's sold pretty recent and then proximity location. All right. So, you know, it's like year built to come into those factors immediately to a certain extent. But the thing about it is that generally speaking, developments happen at the same time. So in proximity, mm -hmm. you Fair. tend to get homes that are of similar ages. And so if you look at that, if you look at certain blocks and areas, if you go to Bethel in this section here, you know, you'll have all homes that were built in this 20 year span. Because you must come across, because I mean, there's new developments that pop up over oh, town. Yeah. So somebody who's trying to appraise their 1940s house to like a 2022 home that was just mm -hmm. built brand new, like right. same square footage. Yeah. But nothing Not else the is. Same. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the parameters that I tend to use, that I would prefer to use, is plus or minus about 20 years. Okay. If a home's okay. built in like the 80s. I'll compare a home built in the 80s up to a home about like 1999 and feel pretty good about that. Uh, obviously, everything I say about my preferences have to do with the availability of data. Sure. Right, okay? right. Uh, data is king. Uh, the report is an opinion of value based upon the data available. Uh, the thing that makes a, an appraiser good at their job is to, you know, be good at, I'm an RMLS power user, mm -hmm. right? I dig through that stuff all the time. I know all of the advanced search features. I, yeah, that's, that's where I live. I, in a typical month, I might do 40 transactions, refinances and sales, you know, before things were real slow. And and so for each of those, I might go through 30 to 50 listings. Oh my gosh. And so I've become real critical of listings. Hundreds, yeah. thousands yes. every month. Yeah. So going back a little bit to just, you know, somebody pays for an appraisal and AMC hires mm -hmm. you to right. do your job. Oh yes. What does that entail? Like what are people paying for when they order an appraisal and they're spending $800 right. for your time and your expertise? Obviously a lot of it is, I had this conversation with a contractor buddy of mine, you know, somebody comes out and they're like $150 minimum fee just to come out and check out what's wrong. Right. And it's like, you are not just paying me because I can come out and fix, you're paying me for my 15 years of expertise and experience and right. knowing exactly how to do what I do. So that, I mean, that obviously is a part of it, yes. but your actual job, what does that, what do those steps entail for them? Okay. So we'll start with fees. Uh, I am legally bound by the scope of work and assignment that I get to not discuss fees with borrowers. That mm -hmm. is in there. That's something you agree to. That is something that they find out that you are doing. All right. You will get in trouble. You might lose your license or things like that. The reason that is the case is because I don't think the lender wants you to know the difference between what you're paying and what an appraiser is getting paid because those numbers are not the same. Right. So it, you pay the lender, the lender's fee. The lender hires an AMC who hires me. You know, AMCs aren't working for free either. Okay. Once that does get to me, what you're paying for is I'm going to come out and I'm going to inspect your home. So uh, an inspection has been we, we there was a class like a couple months ago that we all had to take where they want us to start calling it an observation okay because there's a very common misconception that appraisers and home inspectors are the same thing right. because 
we have similar sort of things. We call you, we show up, we have to rank for a sale. You know, there's a lot of similarities, mm -hmm. but they're real different. You know, an inspector is looking at structural stability, right? They want to know how everything works. An appraiser assumes everything works and we care about mm -hmm. value and marketability. So when we do that, the process is very simple. I'm going to show up. If you're there, I'm going to knock on your door. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to tell you the following things. I'm going to do a circle around your house. I have a laser tape measure. I'm going to measure your home. I'm going to take pictures of all of the outsides. If you have outbuildings, rural thing, I'll measure your barn. I'll take a picture of the inside and the outside. Then I'm going to come into your house. I'll take my shoes off. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm then going to take a picture of all of the interior rooms. Right. This is for a conventional loan. If this is an FHA loan, I have to uh, take a picture of your attic, take a picture of your crawl space. I need to measure uh, carports, decks, patios, anything like that that's on the exterior. And so those it. items you just mentioned, mm -hmm. attic, crawl space, mm -hmm. deck spaces, yeah, those are not done on a conventional appraisal. They are not required. Traditionally. Yes, because okay. these are lender requirements. And I honestly, the deck thing, I don't really understand why. The attic and the crawl space is because- You would think that would be for all I homes. I think you for think decks, so. because there are certain requirements to be up to code, and with that's the true. FHA, they have to be up to code. But that's still the case right? with conventional, because if I take oh. a picture of the back of your house, and what you're referring to is that if a deck is over with 32 inches or something yeah. like that, then it requires railing of at least that height as well. Right. And so that's still a requirement on conventional. But what okay. I'm talking about is actually measuring them. So I need okay. to say like, hey, they've got a- 12 by 14 covered front porch. And it's and I have to tell them if it's covered, what it's made out of, all of those things. For FHA. For FHA. Okay. Additionally, with FHA, you have other things you're looking for. The reason that you look in the crawl space is because you're looking for standing water. The reason that you look in the attic is because you want to make sure that it has insulation. These are the things that they're looking for and asking you to do during these inspections because when you get an FHA, what's happening is FHA is a program which allows people to purchase homes who don't have the capital to purchase it otherwise. Right. And the way that they do that is that they federally insure the loan. Right. Right. And since the government is going to insure your loan, they're going to want to make sure that the house is structurally stable and they're going to be a little bit picky, which getting back to your question is why, especially in a hot buyer's market, 2020, 2021, mm -hmm. early parts of 22, uh, these people were just not interested. Because why, if a sell, if I'm a seller, mm -hmm. would I even take the time to worry about insulation and the extra time it takes? When there's 74 offers. When everybody why would else... I make a house livable and secure for somebody else? And I could just take all their <laughs> money and buy something safe for me. But the other part, though, is that buyers immediately, uh, sellers immediately become buyers. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so they were under all of the same pressures as all the other buyers were, which is hot, hot competition. And yeah. so what they needed was a loan that they knew was going to go through immediately that would hit their close date because they are, they took they out a bridge loan. They, they are pending. They're a bumpable buyer. And if this thing doesn't happen, somebody else might take their spot. They already had to bid 80 grand over list mm -hmm. just to move to West Eugene. You know, like it, it's. And that's all very valid. It's yeah. stuff that like the, is, all, yeah. the whole circle of it all is often, you know, people's perspectives are fairly Absolutely. limited to just what they're going through. Yeah. And they're not looking at the entire. If you bought a house in, you know, 2015, when the, everything hit the, the, the floor and you lived there and it was a nice house. You bought it for like $200,000 in most places, right. right? And then if you waited until 2020 through 2022, early 2022, you doubled it probably. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Maybe more if you did some cool stuff to it. And like, I'm not here to say, don't go get your money. Like, yeah, no. absolutely. But, you know, 
I do feel badly for people who are first-time homebuyers because they have no chance. Right. They have no chance. No chance. Yeah. Comparatively speaking, for what the market was offering oh. at the time. Uh, yeah. Because like this, I just now started getting FHA orders again. I got no FHA orders for like a year and a half. Because nobody, unless it was refinance. I worked with a lot of FHA and VA guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But you know, but the yeah. extra it was hard. I mean, it was hard. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, there's different requirements for each. And like you were saying, mm -hmm. you are doing your work for the scope of, because they're, you know, FHA and conventional are likely the most standard programs, then mm -hmm. followed by like VA and USDA. Yeah, of course. And you are just needing to do the scope of your work to make sure that you are following mm -hmm. what is required of you getting the deal, finding the value, and making sure that process is continuing to move smoothly forward for yeah. everybody. And in a timely fashion. Right. <laughs> so yes. there's time there's time constraints on, on me constantly. But uh, so the way that the inspection works is then I go inside, I have either a county record sketch that I have gone around and confirmed the measurements are complete with, and or I have drawn one myself, very basic, rudimentary. It's all 90 degree angles and things like that. But it's supposed to be accurate to about two inches. That's the requirement per ANSI. Wow. Uh, ANSI's new measurement standards came out you know, earlier this year. Okay. It's real fun for us. <laughs> um, and then inside, I'm going to do things like this is the notes I'm taking. Okay. There's bedroom here, bedroom here, bathroom there, living room, family room, office, uh, carpet, laminate, heat pump, forced air. Here's where the stairs are. Pretty good condition. You know, mm -hmm. but that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm taking a ton of pictures. Pictures do a lot more yeah. than me writing my notes do. Yes. But I'm going to take a picture in every room. You know, if there's something like you're missing carpet, I'll probably measure the space for the carpet because I'm going to have to estimate what it costs to fix that, things like that. But it doesn't take like a long, like I've been on inspections that are like an hour long. That's so what's the, long. What's the standard? I tell people 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Okay. But that's because the laser tape measure takes so much time off of the exterior. If, yeah. if I was using a tape measure, it'd be probably half hour, 45 minutes. And this is a range. There's some places that you think, listen, it's laser. Have you played with laser tape measure? No, okay. I should get one. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a red dot that if you have yeah. decent vision, you can see from like 100 feet away. Okay, so you go over here, you, you look where the gutter is, or you take your clipboard and you put it down next to the side of the wall, and you beep, and it goes, oh, it's 42 feet. Okay, and so if you go to a house that's 24 by 24 box, or you go to a manufactured home, which are always going to be one length by another length and equal on the other sides, right. yep, it doesn't take very long to do that, snap four pictures of the outside, maybe poke your head and shoulders underneath the uh, crawl space, get a picture in there. You know, and then snap a photo of, of all the rooms, the yeah. kitchen, yeah. And stuff. So if you got a two bed, one bath house, and everything is where it's supposed to be, and it's not FHA, and there's not all these issues that I need to write down, you know, that could be done in like 15 minutes, maybe. Kind yeah. of, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say that's common. I'd say typically like 30 minutes is a good estimate. Uh, but you know, sometimes people think I'm really fast, but that's just because I was measuring and taking pictures of their house before I ever knocked on the door. There's a lot of things like that. So your on-site is... observation is not the time-consuming no. portion of your job. This is that not, is this a is not the money. That's exactly. not what they're paying for. That's no. the fraction <laughs> yes. of the job. So I tell people when I'm on inspection, because I give this spiel all the time, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. This is the fun part. All right. right. I <laughs> genuinely enjoy the majority of inspections. When houses are not gross, I enjoy them very much. Uh, so I, it, you know, I get to meet interesting people. I've seen a lot of cool cars, you know, mm -hmm. I have nice conversations, you know, I've seen some really cool houses. I'm kind of a 
nerd for, you know, things like this. My dad was in construction. I like houses. Yeah. It, it helps a lot in this job if you do. True. And so <laughs> then I go back to the office and then that's when it's actually time to work. Uh, so then I write the report. Report is broken up into several sections. First section is dedicated to the house, which is referred to as the subject. All right. So the house is the subject property. And I go through like legal description, site size. Uh, if there's a contract, I need to analyze the contract. Yes. Real estate agents, people are reading your contracts. Okay. <laughs> write them well, please. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I tell the story a lot, yeah. but I have done two different homes in which there was a additional provisions or personal property section where they wrote any and all personal property at such and such address as of such and such date is included in this sale too. Okay. Which means that by signing that and all, by the way, real estate agents signed this too. That means the buyer gets your underwear. All right. Oh they get God. your TV. Yeah. They get your dresser. You right. know, pe people aren't going to do that. I understand. It's like, you know, they, they yeah. meant, they meant like, oh, the fridge. The stays, yeah. the fridge, the exactly. furniture yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. But but if somebody really wanted to, you just open yourself up to a legal dispute about your draws. Like, you know, it's not, it's not like, <laughs> right. You know, it's, it, and it, it just baffles me, you know, that kind of thing. But we do the, the contract section, you know, and that's when you look at when was assigned, were there addendums? Was this an arm's length sale? Is this two people selling to each other that know each other? And and not arm's Family length members. can be is anything from family. That's the most obvious one. But mm -hmm. if you're a, a tenant buying from your landlord, that's not considered arm's length either because okay. you have a pre-existing business relationship. Yeah. And so you go through those things. Then you fill a section out on the subject, which is what year was it built? What kind of condition is it in? Uh, you know, what features does it have? Bedroom count, bathroom count. Is there a fence? Is there shops? Is there storage? You know, all the way through. What kind of fuel does it use? You know, all of that. And then you give it a condition rating. And this is where things can get sometimes contentious because we have what's known as a C rating. So C1 is a brand new house. C2 is either a nearly brand new house or a not that old house that has been significantly remodeled. The only way that an existing home can become C1 is if it's a literal, we kept that one wall and everything okay. else is brand new. Otherwise, the best you can hope for is C2. Most homes built after 1990 that have been adequately updated fall into the C3 category, and then pretty much everything else is C4. C4 just means, you know, it's it's, it's most people's houses, I would you say. You live in it. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, you walk in and the cabinets are from 1973, mm -hmm. and, you know, the carpet got replaced 20 years ago, and it's not like it's a bad thing. Right. But this gets into sort of where we're going to start looking for comps and what kind of comps we're looking at based off of what kind of condition that you've let yourself, you know, get your house into. And that's the that. lending requirement. It has to be Absolutely. C4 or better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If it's C5, C5 literally means like hole in the ceiling. Those like are that. those cash only oh, bring yeah. an investor or, su or a subject to property. Yeah. Which yeah. Appraiser, from the lending standpoint, the mm. traditional things that we are, we care about is the value, mm -hmm. of course. And it's either as is, so like as the structure stands, it mm -hmm. has this value, let's say $400,000 or subject to. Right. And subject to with, it's say subject to these list of things that has to be done. Mm -hmm. It's then worth $400,000. Yes. That's the. And that must add a layer of complication to things at all. Like when you are listing stuff, because you are essentially saying like, well, if you fix X, Y, and Z, this hole in the wall, this right. you know, hole in the carpet, this other thing, this peeling paint, whatever has to be done mm -hmm. upon these repairs then you're worth $400,000. Yeah. And so you have to have a good imagination because you have to look at this house and be like, well, if they did this, then it would be worth 
that and know? find comps that then yeah. support well this work equals this type of house well, or this quality that's actually not as big of a deal because okay. because most homes like the values come from listings that's how we know what was sold all right and when and for how much because we use i'm on mls like i said and and so most homes are sold in average condition or above so it's easy to find sales of homes that are in average condition it's hard to find sales of homes that are in below average condition because they either don't get listed because it was a yeah. you know cash market a cash sale okay. pocket deal things like mm-hmm. that you know it all comes back to like what is the evidence what can you prove and the proof is okay i said this house with this mls number all right on this well on this date and you can go look it up go look at the house right and then and then you tell me if you think that's a good comparable right right and and that's that's I have to leave like my the whole thing is just evidence of my opinion. And yeah. how long for writing that report? Would you say approximately like how I mean, I know like appraisal turn times range depending on how busy it is. Mm-hmm. Let's say it anywhere from, you know, a week to three weeks, depending on how busy right. we are. But how much of that, like all that research, mm-hmm. finding anywhere let's from three for, to four. And let's say for an average house. Okay. Yeah, for like just a, an average, three bedroom, average, two bath, 1,800 square foot in town somewhere. Gotcha. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about the total process from when I get the job to when I turn it in, it's usually about a week, maybe two. But that's because I'm on like a revolving situation. I've got homes coming in that I'm bidding on. Sure. I've got, then I have to schedule it with you. And, and that's not always easy because mm-hmm. people have kids and jobs. And, you know, I call somebody and they go, well, I work from nine to five. And I'm like, yeah, me too. You know, like, well, I, can you come on a Saturday? Like, no, I have kids too. Like, yeah. I want to hang out with them. They got, <laughs> I got basketball games and soccer and stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's not always easy to do. So, you know, that's one of the things that kills timelines is, well, we're out of town. Like, well, you shouldn't have got a refinance right now. You know, like, I don't right. tell you. Yeah. You know, so there, there's, there's that aspect of it, which is, you know, going on. So then, so I've, I've accepted. All right. I've scheduled. Then I need to inspect. Right. I might get a job. Observe. Uh, observe. observe. Thank <laughs> you. Then, I, <laughs> then I need to observe the home. I just watch it. You just uh, like <laughs> stand back with arms I like, I, I like inspect. It, it makes it seem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we didn't say judge the home. I think that would have been worse. <laughs> Go and judge their home. Um, no. So they. So then I have that. Then I have the inspection. Sometimes the home I just inspected is also the one that's due the soonest. And then that Mm -hmm. gets put right at the top of the pile. Uh, But what happens is I go back to my office and I go, okay, I got folders. They've got the due date right on the front and I organize them by when they're due. And so I might, you know, inspect your house and not get it in for for 10 days because I didn't work on it for nine. due date's not two weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not because it's not important. It's not because I don't care. It's not because of anything. You have 40 orders and one's due tomorrow. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's because there's there's other things that take precedent. If you only did things in the order that you got them in, given the way that due dates fluctuate depending on lender and things like that, you dig yourself into a hole. That would never work. You know, and you would be like working really hard for two days and then be like, well, there's nothing due today, so I won't work, you know? So it's like, it, it doesn't make... Your workflow makes a lot more sense to organize them based on what the due date is. I would say that I can write a report. Generally, I can write two in a day if I'm, if things are going well, Uh, you know, and, and so I think. It's a few hours of like research, plugging it in, doing the research, finding the comps. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's faster. Sometimes it's really easy. You know, sometimes you spend two days, you know, the thing that, that, that gets to me is like, this is all I do. All I do professionally is value homes. And so I've done a home that 
uh, was on acreage and it backed to an industrial plant. And then the front was on a private lake. Oh. Okay. Wow. So, so like when so you finding comps, yes, yeah, hard. that seems so easy. <laughs> yeah. I don't get, again, I just don't, Every understand moment the, yeah. I don't understand the difficulty in your job. So, <laughs> so, and, and then I'm not on top of that. I have to do it. I have to do it. Well, I have to satisfy my client, which again is not the borrower, but the lender. Right. All right. I need to satisfy all of the rules of USPAP in terms of bracketing, in terms of explaining things, in terms of proving my work. Right. And then I have to get it done on time. You know, right. and I have to find data that proves that this is more than just an opinion, which is why the number one thing, if, if you're a borrower, here's my number one thing that I would just ask of you is that when an appraiser gets done with their observation, don't ask them what they think the house is worth, because <laughs> yeah. I will be honest with you. I do not know. Yeah, I yeah, do not know. Fair. Being an appraiser is not a database of right. knowledge. All right. It is an understanding of a tool set. Yeah. Right. Which allows you to find information. Every report is a tiny research project and, you know, you're good at it eventually. Right. But it's not I don't walk into a house and be like 475 and then walk out, you know, right. James yeah. Martin, this, you know, you might have some, like a, some kind of ballpark number in your no, head. Not you're even. just like, I'm not no. even going to look at this until I get back to my house. I cannot tell you how many times I have gotten back from an observation and pulled up a contract and I've been like, they're selling it for what? And it's just some obscene number to me. And then I go run the numbers and I come in over that because it's actually a pretty good deal. Like, you know, yeah. that's, it's, you know, sure. it's a, every day something else sells. Every right. house I go to is mm -hmm. in a different place. All right. They're all different sizes, different years built, different layouts, all of these things. So even though I could be in West Eugene for 10 different houses and not use the same comp twice, it's all different, mm -hmm. you know, because you're trying to get things as nearby as possible. Yeah. yeah. And so it's. Yeah, yeah it, that's a good that's I mean, it, it adds a level of appreciation, even from just like an industry professional side who works with appraisers every day. To really like understand the thorough nature, not mm -hmm. only the education that starts, but also the entirety of the process front to back of like what your expertise really entails. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a there's like a sailor saying that like a man never steps into the same sea twice, you know, because everything's always different. And that is how I, that's how we feel about a writing report, you know, with very few exceptions. Yeah. There's the DR Horton homes that are out there that there there's three different models of yeah. and like you got a pretty good idea those are going to be selling for roughly what they've always been selling for yes. because it's a new development. Beyond new developments it's a it's a whole new world out there every yeah. time. It's a brand well, new ball game. And that goes into what you and I talked about even the first mm -hmm. episode is that like every day is putting a new puzzle together that's why we love our jobs. Yes, it, that, that is nothing, nice. No two borrowers are the same, not two clients, no two no Homes, two people no are the two homes. Properties. Yes, yeah. nothing is yeah. the same. No, I always I honestly I did everything I could to avoid working hard like my whole life until I got <laughs> this job as an appraiser yeah. and then I realized like oh I actually dig this. You know, and my Isn't effort feels worthwhile. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Man, I was the exact. And I think a lot of it yeah. I, for maybe folks like us is that it's a, uh, I am like the sweat of my brow, like the work that I put in matters, mm -hmm. you know, the, the mm -hmm. effort that I'm doing. I don't want to be at a job where like I can work 10 times harder than anybody. And it really doesn't mean anything. Yeah, no, it's very nice. And I have made my own reputation as an appraiser, which I'm very proud of in that I'm trying to work with people and working hard and I'm on time. If I tell you I'm going to be at your house at 1030, I'm going to be there at 1030. I might be early. I've apologized more times for being early than being late. I'll tell you that, <laughs> you know, because sometimes something goes faster than it should sure. and you've got a string of three in a row. So you're like, well, I'm not just going to 
sit in my car. I'll drive over there and see if they're home. Because if they're home, I'll get done with that early. Yeah. And maybe the next people are home too, and I'll get done with that early. Then, then I, I can, can start my reports. I can and... get home and start. I can get back to the office, start my reports. Maybe I can go hang out with my kids earlier than I thought I would today. You know, all yeah. of those things. So, yeah. so you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. Right. So yeah. So this is incredible information. I'm so glad we're getting all this. We realize that we still have a lot to cover. So I think what we're going to do is actually kind of halt here for now, and we will pick back up in a part two here for the next release. That sound good? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go ahead and make this a two-part episode. So stay tuned, and you will get more from Joe Jackson, the appraiser. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks. Bye.